most people say, no, I just do this because I like it. Like I enjoy having a few drinks or I'd like to check out on the weekend or whatever that is. And I'm like, other people notice first normally in the abuse stage. Now independence or the dependent state, a lot of people have this awareness that says, man, this is not going the way I want it to, but they just don't have other options. And that makes me hurt for people because they, they don't have a way out. This is the way they've learned to cope. And now the very thing they've used to cope is running their entire life and stealing from the things that they cherish most. I'm Angela. And I'm Chad. And we discuss issues that couples face in everyday life. Then we set you up to have a conversation with your partner that's designed to bring you closer together. This is the Connecting Couples podcast with the real Emhoffs. Real conversations for a real connection. All right, we're back in our series on addiction. First episode, we really kind of laid out that addiction is just a pattern of behaviors or the use of something that provides us comfort. We really want you to start kind of paying attention to what you're being comforted by, when you need comfort. And so now we're gonna use this episode to break down some really specific terms basic terms that swim around in the field of addiction. And these aren't our terms, like Chad and Angela aren't saying, here's what we feel. These are just terms in the 12-step program that we run or in addiction work that you will hear people say. And it's important that we as a caregiver understand what they mean. And it's important that we help you the listener understand so we can be on the same page when we're discussing this man i've had people have huge reactions to some of these words um even the word addiction sometimes people go oh i don't believe in addiction or oh i don't believe in this or that or i'm like or codependence oh my goodness i've had lots of people say that that's that's just so wrong to the person who's actually the victim of addiction and i'm like i get what you're saying that makes sense and we're going to dive into definitions around them but we do feel like language is a barrier even when it comes to understanding what we're talking about when we say addiction like we said last episode some we we all kind of know what we're talking about and yet we still probably don't know what we're talking about at some level when you throw the word addiction out there and so please give us a grain of grace or a little bit of like room with this we're just talking about what is normally discussed and kind of uh commonly said in our vernacular in, in the world that we live in so and this is something that chad and i work with and so that makes us have experience but golly there are tons of experts in this field we're just people who have personally experienced a lot of this and then who work with people who have and so we're coming off of that experience bringing it to you so we want to start off with even the word addiction so after our episode one definition of it i really wanted to make a distinction between and what we talked about was my use of like advil and sleep aid to it becoming every night and would i even call myself an addict Uh, or even the example you used. What is the line? Where does the line get drawn between I come home from work and I have a drink uh, or I, you know, have never missed an episode of this television show and (laughs) if I do, I watch them all together. You know, like, help me, Chad, understand the line that shifts something from it comforts me I might even be using it a little bit more than I'd like to, to now I could possibly be defined as an addict. Well, addict, so clinically, nobody would use the term addiction. But I would say 
you know, we, we talk about dependence or abuse or we talk about, but in this podcast, when we're saying addiction, I would say anything that causes distress to your life, um, unwanted outcomes, uh, or relationship, I guess relationship. Yeah. 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 Any, any, like, so if it causes me, uh, harm, if people have noticed it and said, Hey, that might be a problem for you. Or if I've noticed it, or if, if I think, Hey, I'm just going to have, I'm going to go a week without drinking. And it seems like, well, I get to Monday night and I haven't been able to not drink, uh, even Monday night. Like, it's like, if you can't stop this thing that's happening in your life, I would call that an addiction. You might have an unhealthy dependency. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's the thing that there is a difference between like a dependence and abuse and then use, right? So you could break that down in three levels. So dependence means... When you say clinically, I wouldn't use the word addiction. Is that what you are breaking down right now? Like clinically, yeah. instead of using addiction, they would use these three? They what would, are they again? So it would be dependence, abuse, and use. So there's three levels to that, right? So somebody who's dependent can't go any length of time without using right? They, they require it or else they have a physical reaction. Now people say, well, I don't have a physical reaction to Facebook. Well, maybe you do. (laughs) If you go a few days without looking at it, how does your body respond? Or do you find yourself thinking about it? Or can it, can it kind of rule your day? Or do you get angry or tense or frustrated or have like a physical reaction? Like, does it affect your mood if you're not using uh, and I'm, I'm using Facebook. It's a, but yeah, do you get anxious? Yeah. Do you feel like you're missing out something? Are yeah. you looking for, oh, I made a post. Did anyone comment on that post? Am I being rejected? Am I being accepted? I mean, there's a lot that goes yeah. into even that. So so I think you could think about it in that, that okay. way. But when it comes to like drugs and alcohol, like if I stop, do I get sick? Right? Mm-hmm. Do I have tremors or do I get the sweats or do I get... Uh, so that's even yeah. only in tier one dependence. That's dependence. That, that's well, that's the, that's the even... highest level. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's the highest level. And so abuse would be something where you would do it at for an unhealthy reason, right? And I think you could even classify it as, as something where somebody like on a weekend, I binge, right? So mm. I use it. And then a lot of times when I end up using it, I do it more than I wanted to or for reasons that I don't like. So if I'm like, heck, I abuse alcohol because I... I'm nervous when I go in public settings or work events, so I drink more than I would like, and then I end up going home and drinking more also. But then I don't drink for like three weeks because it's not a public setting, so I don't have a dependence on it, but every now and then I use it too much. Right. So like, or, yeah. Okay. Let me, let me think about this. So de- abuse isn't going to have a physical side effect. It's going to have um, maybe a draw, like I do it more than I want, yeah. or I, I kind of like... You can think about it, about it like binging in some ways. Like, okay. oh, I get I start on it, and then it's like it happens more than I. I want. even want to say a long term physical side effect because I think, you know, you and I are on this healthy eating, and we're going to talk about our food issues and yeah. giving up food and trying to be healthy eaters. And when I eat bad, when I've abused food. the food, yeah. I don't feel good. There is a physical side effect. Or even when I find myself wanting to go to bed at 10, knowing I have something early the next morning, but I have to find out what happens in this show. I can't, I can't go to bed yet. (laughs) Then I'm tired. Like there, I just want to say that there are some possible physical side effects in the abuse. Well, and I want to say that, but you got to look at it like this way. It's the flip coin. Okay. All right. So in abuse, you have like you're hung over the next day. Yes. Right. And so there is a negative outcome. So I would agree. That's why we would call it abuse. But if we're talking about dependence, if I don't use alcohol, I have a negative outcome. Okay. So they're just different 
different tiers, different layers. If I do right? use versus if I don't use, that's yeah. dependence. Yeah, yeah, Literally, yeah. even though we have a huge outline, I am taking notes from Chad as we do. <laughs> I'm like, this is good stuff. I need to write this down. I am. Well, and that's why you'll find somebody who's dependent who says, I cannot quit. This mm. is how I function. Yeah. I do this to get through life. And so, again, that's that's that spot where I feel really bad for people because yeah. they don't know how to do life without yeah. this thing. It is literally the thing that helps them get out of bed and do their job and function and be in relationship. Like they, like they feel like alcohol, heroin, fentanyl, whatever the thing is that they're using is the thing that allows them yeah. to function and be to not be sick. Yeah. Right. So if you're thinking about dependence, that is a level of dependence that literally the drug drink chemical webs fantasy yeah. whatever it is running your life and without it you don't feel okay i think about social media you just talked about the huge ones that obviously we would say are a struggle in someone's life and our culture doesn't yeah. find those acceptable but something like social media you know we've discussed before that we believe that we're designed for connection and we really are yeah. but the way our culture runs we are more and more and more isolated and COVID did not help with that. Right. And so social media gives us this false sense of connection, yeah. which really we're trying to satisfy our longing for connection with other humans, but it's not real connection. And so yeah. it's just ooh, an unhealthy coping strategy. So that's a, just continue to think about that. Okay. So dependence is the worst tier. I can't live without it. I can't live without it. Abuse. I have, I literally have bad symptoms if I don't do the drug. My body is dependent on it. Abuse is the next tear down, which is when I overuse it, I feel bad, but I'm not dependent on it. I can go stretches a time without it. and. But when I do use it, I do it more I than I want it. to. I overuse it. I can't seem to stop for a stretch of time. Um, and, and then I kind of like realize the consequences and snap out of it. But, but it's like, you can think of it this way. Like a dependent would use it Monday through Sunday. Uh, a an abuser abuse. might use it on the weekend, Friday <laughs> through Sunday. Yeah. But then to go from abuse to dependence, normally it goes, oh, I'll use it Friday. Well, I'll start on Thursday. We'll pre we'll, we'll go to Thursday night margaritas or whatever the thing is. And yeah. then, oh, you know, you can see it kind of leading back, back into up. like, oh, well, we'll start on Wednesday. Well, we'll have lunch with somebody and have yeah. a beer or whatever. Like, oh, it's a holiday Monday. Now it's a long <laughs> weekend and here we go. Okay. And then the third tier, which is just the use of, yeah. to be able to use social media, use food, use, have a drink, use pain medicine, right. those things that you can use and it not be bad. I hate to say this, but I'm like somebody who uses alcohol on a Friday night and, and says, okay, I'm going to have a few drinks and man, I had a couple too many. And so I feel bad the next day and I'm not going to drink for six months. Like that is a completely other tier. So when we're talking about yeah. use, you know, or just has one glass of wine with dinner and doesn't yeah. finish it, that's a totally other thing when we're talking about alcohol specifically, and that's but usually it could be lots of drugs too. So I'm not, not that yeah. one is not usually going to be brought up by your spouse. Right. You're not going to have two or three friends like I did back in my 20s say, hey, you should check out AA, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, you have oh, a problem. Have you ever looked into the 12 steps? And I'm like, yeah, I read about them one time. I think I did them. <laughs> yeah. I've never worked a program, but yeah. had this thought that like, uh, why does everybody keep telling me about this other program I should check out? So let's talk about, again, that line that's drawn that Chad just did a great job of kind of these three tiers. But what you're saying is you might know you're an addict if. You <laughs> might start to consider I have a problem if. 
someone in your life, maybe you have enough internal awareness to go, I recognize that that abuser person that is abusing whatever the thing is yeah. can go, oh man, I'm watching too much TV. I'm on social media too much. I recognize that I'm eating because my clothes are too tight and I'm you know, clearly not doing healthy strategies and choosing unhealthy ones. You might have self-awareness and recognize, hmm, this has gotten out of hand and I want to reel it back in. Yeah. Or you might not have that awareness and think you're still kind of managing it fine. And that's when a partner, a loved one, a family member will m- maybe say what Chad is saying. Like someone goes, hey, you know, have you considered therapy? Have you ever thought about <laughs> Celebrate Recovery? Have you heard of... Any any program? <laughs> we need some help here. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that's the thing that's, um, that's hard because I... I don't know anybody who was ever abusing a drug or alcohol yeah. or, or, or dependent. Um, actually, independent, sometimes there's a little more awareness. But especially in the abuse stage, most people say, no, I just do this because I like it. Like, yeah. I enjoy having a few drinks or I'd like to check out on the weekend or whatever that is. And I'm like, other people notice first normally yeah. in the abuse stage. Now, independence, I think, a lo- or the dependent state. Yeah. It, a lot of people have this awareness that says, man, this is not going the way I want it to, yeah. but they just don't have other options. And that, again, it makes me sad. I'm like, it's not, that makes me hurt for people because they, they don't have a way out. This is the way they've learned to cope. And now the very thing they've used to cope is running their entire life and stealing from the things that they cherish most. So since we talked about that dependency, that harshest tier of yeah. this process, then we, I think it serves us well to now bring up that word that sometimes people cringe at, which is codependency. Right. So let's talk about this for just a second. This word that was actually coined by Al-Anon, and Al-Anon is the flip side of AA, so Alcoholics Anonymous, which has been around for decades. Long time. Really yeah. uh, designed for, it's 12-step program designed for people who abuse or are dependent on alcoholics and that's the wording that they would use they designed a program for the loved ones of the addict because what they found was that even though the person living with the addict doesn't necessarily abuse or is dependent on the substance that alcohol that's running my partner's life is also running my life so i'm you know trying not to set you off trying to help you manage trying to be your accountability partner trying to control your behavior it's interesting too in the realm of pursue withdraw and it doesn't necessarily mean only withdrawers or addicts pursuers can't be because pursuers can be also yeah but around the content of the addiction usually the pursuer role is trying to stop the addict from using whatever the thing is whatever the thing is and the addict is the one that is going to this other thing for comfort and so you see those same cycles play out you know i've heard a quote before show me someone that's addicted to something and i'll show you someone who really wants them not to be addicted (laughs) yeah that wants them to quit Yeah. yeah yeah because they're trying to control and manage and that is that codependent term and so not knowing where my partner's addiction starts and stops or what my role in it is if they can't be a healthy person then what is my job to help them be a healthy person and it could be i'm criticizing i'm shaming it could even be come alongside and say hey let's you know maybe it's you need to go to aa or cr or (laughs) you need to go to therapy or how can we and so we've discussed a little bit of that but but that is a term we want to bring forward 
is if you are in the life of someone who is addicted or has an unhealthy behavior, there is a good chance that you already have a pattern of relational interaction that is possibly feeding that unhealthy pattern. Yeah. Well, and is I, that an okay way to word that? Man, no matter how we say this, it sounds like the, the person who is the partner of the addict, I'm going to use that word, the partner of the addict is, is, is somehow um, a part of the problem. And so, you know, kind of thinking about it, I'm like, I don't, this doesn't mean to say that like, oh, you're to blame no. by any means. Like you're probably the one, the, the codependent partner is probably the one that wants more than anything for that other their spouse, their friend, their yeah. partner to get healthy. But at the same time, we're not able to like take the extra steps, take a little more initiative, draw the lines a little bit harder uh, that would cause that change to happen. And so, and man. There, there tends to too be this idea of if you would just stop drinking, everything else yeah. would be fine. And that's not the case either. It's man. never just the one thing. Usually the addiction to the whatever the thing is, is the byproduct of a deeper problem. I will say, I'll say it stronger than that. It always serves a function. There is never an addiction or a, a, a dependence that doesn't have some function that it's serving for whoever's using it. Now, I'm not saying that somebody who's dependent doesn't just use it so they're not sick, yeah. right? That could be the case. But most of the time, these things are born out of a need. They're born out of a place that says, I, I don't know what to do with, like we said the last episode, this overwhelmed, anxious thing. And so I don't know how to take it to anybody else. I don't really know how to resolve it myself. I don't know where else to go with it. So I'm going to go ahead and find something that provides some sort of relief. I find even in this moment right now, Chad and I both wanting to offer so many disclaimers. Yeah, I do too. Because I want to just say this, the, the victim of the partner to somebody who is addicted has probably gone through a lot. Yeah. Whether it's, you know, being worried about your partner to your bank account being misused to there being all sorts of other unhealthy, you know, things that are just involved in this. And so there is a part of us that wants to protect that victim of addiction. Yeah. And there is another part that wants to say, hey, how do we give you the resources that you need to come alongside your partner who has this? And so yeah. we'll say all the time that even as much as the addict needs a 12-step program and to find some new strategies, the partner of the addict needs to be in a recovery program, which is why Al-Anon was created to begin with, yeah. so that they can learn better strategies, better boundaries, learning how to interact, being a safe partner to to allow for some of that comfort to be met. And, and we're going to get into that in the future episodes, but we needed to define codependency. And so to all those out there who have been told you're codependent or who are cringing at the fact that you might be who we're identifying, we want you to know we love you dearly. <laughs> well, and, and let me just, for a second, let me go into that world, right? So I have a partner who's abusing alcohol on a consistent basis and maybe dependent on alcohol. And I love this partner. It's somebody that, you know, I'm, I don't want to lose the relationship with. Mm -hmm. And so everybody tells me that I should kick him out or kick him to the curb or, or her, whoever, right? I need to set this boundary and be firm and don't let this happen. But at the same time, 
they come to me every time and you can see the genuine desire for them to change. They have a desire to change. Yeah. Your partner who's dependent on alcohol is wants, remorseful, is sorry, wants to be different. Is, they promise never again and they've promised it a hundred yeah. times and you know you shouldn't believe them. And yet still, what do you do? Yeah. I mean, you're stuck also because you love the person and you know this isn't who they are and you keep seeing and hoping for that light at the end of the tunnel. I want to say that somebody who's codependent is like constantly holding the hope for the relationship. Such a pursuer. Such a pursuer. Because I feel that even we believe the very best and I can even see in an addict. This is why I run a 12-step yeah, program yeah. and why I'm in this field. Because I see that person's potential. And we're constantly trying to help that addict reach their potential. And it's so hard to and, get out of that cycle. And it wouldn't be right not to help them yeah. at some level. But when we're talking about like clinical distress, yeah. right? Sometimes the only thing we can do is is set a hard boundary. And I'm not saying that for anybody listening. I'm just saying like, golly, it's so hard to yeah. be the partner of somebody who's struggling with dependence or or chronic abuse of a chemical or or anything. Any of these to things. be honest with you. Okay, yeah. we're going to talk about that in a future episode. Let's continue in this episode real quick with this exhaustive list that Chad and I came up with. Exhaustive. It's probably not. (laughs) (laughs) Exhausting, actually, because I've already added three things as we've been talking about it. So clearly text us or email us with some more things that you think. We're just going to rattle these off. Things that could be something that becomes habitual, something that goes from use to abuse. abuse, maybe even to dependence, but that you recognize has gotten excessive. And as you were talking about that, if I didn't use it, are there side effects? And I am addicted to coffee because (laughs) I start every morning with it. And if I don't, I have headaches. I have, uh, it's really, it's a bad deal. And here's the thing. I'm okay with my addiction to coffee, which is also a problem. It hasn't negatively affected my life. And I think I'm codependent because I normally make the coffee. (laughs) It's true. Anyway. (laughs) So let's talk about, obviously we're talking about drugs. We're talking about alcohol. Right now, this is a study that I heard someone else say, so I need to probably like quote the study, but the number one addiction of choice is pornography. Yeah. Because uh, it heightened in 2020 when everyone got isolated in their home and they didn't really have... I guess external other things other accountability could, too yeah. i mean like you're not going to go to work and look at pornography because you get caught on their internet system or whatever yeah. but i'm like a lot of people sitting at home sitting in an office by themselves not seeing people socially distant you yeah. know or, so we're going to talk there yeah. is going to be one episode just on pornography we're going to talk about that and how that affects a relationship when we're trying yeah. to connect as couples uh, so that's one you could possibly be a workaholic have you ever heard of that term yeah. so that basically addiction to the validation work gives you or the escape or the performance there is yep. something there that makes it really hard i think in our lives we talk about how excessive our schedule is so busyness yep. and people have pushed back on us like you guys are way too busy and we know that more than anyone does but even us in the last year and a half it's why we downsized and got a smaller house. It's why we're trying to, you know, there was this idea for us that felt excessive. And so we're just pitching these to you to kind of consider. We've already mentioned social media. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm thinking exercise, books, social media, Movies, video games, TV. TV. 
Netflix. I mean, you talk about people binging on Netflix. I'm like, if that's something you constant every weekend you check out on Friday yeah. and just watch movie. I mean, I literally know people that do this um, for the entire weekend. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like that. That probably isn't the healthiest way to live. Yeah. You know, and 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 so there are lots and lots of, and that we will never have an exhaustive list to the uh, allure of yeah. something that provides some sense of comfort. And so I want to say that these are just some of them. I mean, yeah. we're doing the best we can with that. All of these actually come back to a different thing, which is a longing. A yeah. longing we have for connection, to be accepted, to feel accepted, not only by ourselves, but we're pack animals. We've discussed this before, yeah. by others, by our significant other, and how possibly our lifestyle doesn't give us an outlet for comfort around some of the harder things, whether it's that I don't want to burden my partner with it, or I don't even know how to identify it myself. And so I have built in these other things into my life that help my life function. Yeah. Coffee is one of them. Sleep aid <laughs> is one of them. Exercise. I'll even say this has been on here. Somebody said before, you're a control freak. Do you use control to manage your anxiety? That is something that is used. And so as we continue in this series, we're asking you not only to just like dismiss, oh, I'm not at, I'm not an addict or I'm not addicted to something. So this series isn't for me, but, but to start asking yourself, Are any of these areas we just discussed, social media, use of electronics, television, exercise, work, busyness, obviously the more acceptable ones, eating, food issues, are any of these in your life possibly excessive? Yeah. Have you personally thought or have you thought about your partner and said, hey, you work too much or you, this is (laughs) pursuers. Have you called your partner out on excessive anything? And withdrawers, do you take on that anything's excessive? <laughs> well, and let me let me say this. I want to. It's our last qualifier. This brings for this us series. to our connect point. But my last qualifier is all those things. I think we're not trying to put a value system on on it for you, but we're saying these things that we do. If I remove them, if you think about dependence, right? Do I have a side effect physically? Does it does it alter my uh, state of being, or do I tend to overuse or abuse these things? Right? We're not saying that you couldn't if use you alcohol. Use, yeah, right. yeah. We're not saying you couldn't use alcohol, or that you couldn't use a sleep aid, or that you can't use coffee, or you can't use social media, or you can't use all those things. Can probably be good in in moderation or in the right dose. But are these things that take over your life and that you can't stop when you start? So those are some of the questions, the qualifiers that I want to put on all of these things. And that brings us to our Connect Point. The Connect Point is designed to help you have a different conversation about how you experience your relationship. Small adjustments lead to big change over time. Take some time to practice with us now. So in this Connect Point, what we're asking you to do is consider that non-exhaustive list that we came (laughs) up with (laughs) and ask yourself if there is... Maybe something that you might teeter in the abusing or overusing or using to excess. Or maybe you even say it's now become something that's so dependent. I don't know how to get get it out of my life or I don't know how to stop doing it. And if you can identify that personally for yourself, that's step one. But just in connecting couples, what we want to do is help you find connection with your partner 
if you can bring it to your partner and say, hey, this is something that I recognize might be excessive in my life. Now, remember, we're not asking you to point out what your partner has <laughs> in their life that's excessive, but being able to say, maybe on, on my end, it's control and I'm trying to manage what I think Chad might be out of line. And if I can own my side of that cycle, that might be a benefit to our connection. Yeah. And so now it's time for you to go connect with your partner. Thanks so much for listening to us. If you've enjoyed this podcast, one of the best things you can do for us is to share it with another couple that you think could benefit from it. You can rate us and give us a review on your listening platform, and you can follow us on our Facebook page, The Real Emhoffs. If you want to support our nonprofit that makes resources available for couples, you can check out the Ways to Give tab on our website, therealemhoffs.com. We love to hear from our listeners, so feel free to message or email us with ideas you might like us to talk about or the ways that our ConnectPoint conversations are impacting your relationship. Thanks Thanks again. again.